Welcome, gente. Bienvenidos to Love, Locura, Arte. My name is Claudia Duran. I'm one of the writers, directors, producers of Chicanas Cholas y Chisme. And I'm Elia Susana Rubalcaba, also a writer, director, and producer. We are going to be discussing short stories. Super excited about this. And today's guests, we have Lorena Ortega and Rosa Navarrete, our wonderful, talented, multi-talented artists that are part of Chicanas Cholas y Chisme. How did you um, come, to, come to find out about Chicanas Cholas and Chisme? That's a good question. I think I've been going to watch the plays for the last six years, I believe. Wow. Um, I have been watching them for quite a while and uh, many different people in the community have been inviting me and I'm like, oh, th these are really great stories. And then I go home and I forget about them. And then I would come back again and I noticed that you were involved, Elvia, and that kept me coming back because I know we had met a little while back at a poetry reading at a zine, zine uh, release Seeds party. of Resistance. Yeah, and that, that's what kept me coming back. And then Shout out it, to Seeds of Resistance. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first time I shared publicly my poetry. Um, and I remember this amazing um, poet, and it was Lorena looking back at pictures. Do you remember what it was that Lorena performed? I do. I, I performed a, a piece called Woman No Longer in Chains. It was me letting go of the anger and the pain from my previous divorce and domestic abuse. I had, I had joined on to CCC was last year, and that was because you had introduced me, or excuse me, you had invited me at um, the Latina Women's Writers Conference that mm -hmm. I had gone to. Hey, shout out to Plaza de la Raza. That's awesome with uh, the Women's Writers Conference. They do that every year. Super cool um, event that they have. They have all these different workshops on publishing your work, getting your work seen. And there's all these beautiful, beautiful, amazing writers. So, so you guys were both there together. Sherry Morago was there. She was the featured speaker. That's so right. Talk about like the interconnectedness of all of this. Hell yeah, I remember Shit. I remember her being the keynote speaker there, yeah. and it was super inspiring. And in how she talked about always like blow uh, the the roadblocks. It yeah. was the roadblocks that she had in her life, and all these hurdles that she she just pushed through. And it was amazing. It was really beautiful. Yeah, I just remember connecting and we were just getting started and um, I invited and reminded Lorena about joining us and I was honored to direct her play um, for um, La Llorona. Yes, it started a short story that I had shared in a memoir writing class over here in Huntington Beach. Shout out to Chris Epting and his memory write memoir writing class. And when I brought it to the circle, I had never written a play before. I didn't even know why I was writing a play. I just know I wanted to sit in the circle of CCC Mujeres. And when I shared it, I remember Josefina saying, okay, where's the dialogue? And I'm like, what <laughs> dialogue? I'm just sharing a story. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. And I learned so much in that first you know, four or five weeks where we were sharing that I realized that it, I was in the right place at the right time. And it was, it was meant for me to be in that circle. So when you were part of uh, CCC for the first time, that was your first playwriting experience. But can you tell us a little bit about your first short story writing experience? When did you start writing short stories? I think I've been writing short stories, wow, for 
my whole life, even before I learned how to write in English, I've been writing short stories in Spanish. And um, one of the things that, that I have been doing for as long as I can remember is burning what I write. I don't really share the things that I write. I, I know that I'm good because I've been told in my English classes and I've been told in college classes that I, that I write well, but I don't share them with people because that vulnerability is very scary for me. So now you went from burning your short stories to having a really popular blog that you now write in. You wrote two posts this past week. So talk, talk to us a little bit about the blog and how people can find it. Well, the blog, I just started it again this year. It's called A Burn to Write. And you can find it on <laughs> www.burntowrite.com. And the reason why I wrote that is because about a year and a half ago, we were challenged with writing our memoir in six words. And the six words I chose were burn to write, not write to burn. So I no longer write to burn what I write. I now long and burn to write and share it with the world. Wow, you are such a poet. Oh my God, that's so gorgeous. Such a gorgeous observation. Uh, and, you know, I, I had been talking a little bit previously before you came on to the podcast. We were talking a little bit how much I appreciate your work so much because you take so much like insight in the details and about everyday life. And it's, it's really beautiful because you speak so profoundly. So definitely, guys, check that out. BurnToWrite.com. You'll see Lorena's blog and the different um, the different stories that she has on there and blog posts that she has about family life, about community and just everyday life it's, it's really beautiful thank you thank you lorena for for having something like that exist yeah it's definitely healing there's um i mean i love all of your work and your short stories um the one about your dad um and the five-footed cat um it's just was very healing for me um you know after losing my my dad earlier this year and just i love um your short stories and how personal and how deep you go can you tell us a little bit about the short story that you're going to have uh, today on the podcast? What I'm going to share today is, is actually a letter to Biblical Eve. I think she's been misunderstood for quite a long time. And in this letter, I share why I grew up being afraid of her and not liking her and, and how that changed and when that changed. And you'll notice in there that I write about my dad. I, I actually write about my dad a lot. And it took for him to, to leave us and, and to pass away for me to understand how really how profound my dad has been throughout my entire life. A love letter to Biblical Eve. Dear Eve, no, wait. Dear Biblical Eve, no. Mejor, querida Eva, la malentendida. I know this might sound weird for coming from someone you've never met, but I love you. It's not a love ya like a Beverly Hills sentiment where double-cheeked air kisses are involved. It's more a barrio style love, like when you turn the corner on a scorching summer afternoon and you see the rainbow umbrella. You know what I mean, don't you, Eva, la malentendida? The rainbow umbrella that can only mean that a fluffy girl's heart is going to be satisfied with raspados and elotes and duritos con limón y chile, oh my. I've actually loved you since I was a little girl. Do you remember when we first crossed paths? I was about seven years old in a cold catechism class from the St. Barbara's Church in Santana. Sister Mary taught us all about you. She said something about a garden and an apple and then added that a serpent convinced you to take a bite after God told you not to. 
I found it so odd that a man would be telling you what to do because in my house, my ama was the one who handed out orders, cariño and cachetadas, not always in that order. I listened intently as she taught us to fear men and serpents, both metaphorically and figuratively, while all along excusing the fact that Adam stood by your side without protecting you. Maybe when you write me back, you can give me the tea on Adam. Okay, Eva, la malentendida. Let me get back to your love letter. It was in this classroom a few years later that Sister Mary began talking to us about menstrual cramps and fallopian tubes, making the eventual and obvious connection to childbirth. As if that alone wasn't enough to freak me out, she asked a classroom of faithful Catholic children addressing only the girls. And girls, do you know why you will suffer from menstrual cramps and feel excruciating pain during childbirth? Crickets. For minutes. She eventually broke the silence with, I'm going to give you a hint, and it involves a serpent, an apple, and a disobedient woman. Ave Maria Purissima! Did Sister Mary just tell a room full of impressionable prepubescent youth that eating an apple had such a catastrophic effect on mankind? I wondered. This is the part of your letter where I apologize to you, Eva La Malentendida, for not only hating you, but for also hating every part of my body that signified my journey to becoming a mujercita. My breasts that would soon need to be controlled with a bra. My hips that would soon be widening to test the elasticity of my polyester pants. And my monthly reminder that my body was ready and willing. Well, not willing, but definitely able to create new life. Pero no te preocupes, Eva la malentendida. I don't hate you very long because soon after that, I had a conversation with my apa about why I kept my hair short and wore corduroy shorts and case waists instead of skirts with slacks. I told him what I learned in Sister Mary's catechism class and how the Bible said you were responsible for original sin. The next line he said changed everything for me. He simply shrugged his shoulders and offered, Who's no, mija? Si no estaba aquí para defenderte. Look at my father being a woke feminist in the 80s, saying we would never know the truth because you weren't there to defend yourself. He was right about you, Eva La Malentendida, and this truth with the lowercase t was also applied to other malentendidas like La Llorona, La Malinche, Mary Magdalene, Cleopatra, Ursula the Sea Witch, and even Pocahontas. But I guess the real reason for this letter is not only to tell you that I love you, but to also let you know that I'm doing all I can to tell people about your story. In fact, I would like to invite you to come watch my play. You see, I'm part of this group of badass escritoras called Chicanas, Cholas y Chisme, and this year our plays are on women in history. Your play is called Eve's Deliverance, on fucking up the theory of original sin. Can you make it, Eva La Malentendida? This maldita coronavirus closes down early, but we'll be back this summer, and I will make sure a ticket is held in your name. Dique si, dique si, dique si. Write me back, okay? I'll be waiting. Love, Lorena. Tu compañera malentendida. Amazing. Yes, snaps. Thank you. I love right? Yes. yes so thank you. So Lorena, what can you um, tell us before we move on to, to Rosa and hear her story? What can you tell to aspiring writers, you know, about writing short stories or about writing in general? Yeah, do you have any tips? I think for me, the most important thing that I could tell somebody who wants to write is to really honor the process. Give yourself the space, give yourself the grace 
nothing is perfect. And when your words are received by somebody else, if they don't like them, guess what? Move on. What really is important is that you like it. Welcome back to the show, Rosa. Rosa Navarrete, how are you? How are you, Claudia? How are you, Elian? How are you, Lorena? Much love to you all. Uh, love right back. Hello, Rosa. So, Rosa, one of the things that I was curious about, too, because I'm always interested in learning more about an artist's process. When you take on short story writing, how do you even begin? Like, what's the first thing you do when you come to the page or, or when you have the computer in front of you? What, what is your process? Can you take us through that a little bit? One of the practices I do um, on occasion when I'm at a cafe, I'm in a bookstore, or I'm anywhere with people in general, is I like to people watch. And the moment I see people interacting, I see a girl crying in the corner. I see a guy hiding a fart. I see like, <laughs> yes. I see like a family. I saw a family at Casa Fina the other day, um, but before this all went down. And I saw this little girl, and I'm gonna write about this because it was too perfect. She was so happy to have her family like uh, get her a birthday cake at Casa Fina. They were like bringing the cake, the mariachis were there, and they're putting it in front of her. And she was like elated. Um, but what came out of her mouth was, oh my God, I hate you guys so much. You guys, <laughs> I hate you. I can't believe this. I hate you. And the whole time I was like, I, oh my God, I used to tell her that as a teenager. <laughs> and you know what she's really saying is like, I love you. Thank you for this cake. Thank you for the mariachi. Thank you for dinner. But she was like expressing herself. <laughs> I hate you guys. And I was like, I need to write this. <laughs> That is so true, right? Like, how many times do you say to somebody, I hate you? But you really mean, like, I love you. You're amazing. Thank you for thinking of me. That's such a teenager. That's awesome. That's oh, really no. cool. So people watching helps a lot. That's how I usually, I, I hear and listen, and I'm like, oh, let me write this down. And I have a little journal of, like, cluster things and ideas. And sometimes I just mix, mix them around. That's awesome. And I love how it just took you back to being a teen because I could totally sense that you're not only going to write about this experience, but possibly, you know, being that teen, talking like that, you know. Um, so I'm looking forward to the, that short story. What makes short story a different art form from the others? What makes it unique uh, when approaching an idea or a, a thought for, for a character for you? What, what, it, what goes through your head when you're, when you're saying this is very different? It's going to be a short story. It's not going to be a song. It's not going to be a dance. It's going to be this. What makes you decide that as an artist? Well, for stage performers, I think in general, you know, you're living with performing like your artistry, your dance, performing your, your theater piece. Uh, it is immediate art and it is immediate feedback because there's an audience. And then also it's up for interpretation. Um, and writing in short story, I think, is also up for interpretation. But the most amazing thing about prose in general, I would say, is that you can guide your audience a little bit more. So they focus on the things you want them to focus on. Um, I know for a lot of writers, when we first start CCC, the scariest part is like handing over our writing because the director gets to take on and interpret it however they will. 
and then hopefully you guys can you know come together at the great minds and combine ideas and thoughts and work and jive um but with short story you get to be that director and you get to be the character and you get to be the other mini characters and you get to be the cube in the space that's going to be meaningful for some reason and you get to be the air and the temperature and you get to be the thoughts of the people in the short story so you have basically godlike powers <laughs> to control the world in such a beautiful way and uh, lead lead the reader to um, focus on plot or focus on action or focus on voice and that's probably like how I would describe short story writing and prose writing. Mm -hmm. And the second part of that question, how is it that you decide like this concept is a short story, this concept is a song, what is it that makes you decide that as an artist? Well, personally for me, and I'm sure this is different for everybody, what what helps me decide is repetition usually. If I hear something that keeps wanting to be repeated, I'm like, oh, oh, I have to repeat this again, and I have to repeat it again. It feels like a poem, or it feels like a song. Um, whereas short story, if I get a clear idea of beginning, middle, and end, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a short story. And then if it goes over 10 pages, I'm like, oh, this might be a novella or a novel if it goes beyond, you know, 45 pages or so what the rule is, I forget. But um, paying attention to the rhythms, I guess, of the words or what's happening in my ear, like what gets collected in my psyche. And what's your writing process now um, being at home? It's been a little hard uh, since this whole thing went down. I honestly, because I had been doing so much artistically, my mind was really tired. Um, and so it was asking for recovery, rest and recovery. So I honored that because I have a mentor, um, shout out to Paloma McGregor. Shout out Paloma. And Paloma uh, in New York. Um, she's a, a co-founder of Angela's Pulse and they make the most incredible pieces of work with dance, theater dance, theater, writing, um, community organized uh, performances. And the number one thing she taught me that I kind of started sinking in in 2018 when I did a project with her was, you need to stop. You need to rest. Because when you don't rest, you are going to continue on this loop of like, your ideas are awesome. I'm going to just keep going. This is what I do. So what's happening is you keep going like this and you keep winding yourself up with this simmer. You're doing the same thing over and over like insanity. So there's no room for growth. There's no room for reflection. There's no room to like take a breath and be like, was that honest with yourself, a really substantial way to express myself through this medium? What was lacking? And then being really brutally honest because, um, and we, I do this also with my relationships with when I collaborate with people, sometimes I sit down and I'm like, what happened in that moment that I miscommunicated or I didn't express myself fully? So um, I bring that kind of mentality of rest and recovery that I learned from Paloma to my creative too. So after resting for about a week and a half in the line, um, <laughs> I, I woke up one day and I said, oh, and thanks also to Lorena Ortega, who is like blogging. Um, I was like, I'm going to blog. I'm going to start blogging again. And I was cleaning up my resume and like blogging. So I'm writing like really like, things that are structural needed right now for me as an artist, but also it's starting to fade into my creativity and 
I have like a vision <laughs> I board. Love it. This isn't the vision board actually. This is like my sci-fi project, and I, I draw and I like create postcards, and I have to see it, and then if I hear somebody on television do a line or I hear a song, uh, Westworld right now is really like the music in it is driving me nuts because every time I hear it I want to write for my sci-fi and so I do I play the music and I'm like it's time this is the world <laughs> even though my sci-fi has nothing to do with what's world that music of metallic you know blade runnery stuff really gets my blood boiling are there any other pieces that you're working on besides your sci-fi that you see expanding or bringing in all those elements um yes Oh Lord. So I have a few projects. I have um, LA. It's a series that I jumped on as a co-creator with Cruz William Castillo and Sebastian Fernandez. And shout out to LA. Shout out LA. LA. And um, we, we reached our campaign um, a goal, which was awesome. That's awesome, yeah. And then we were amazed at the amount of people who jumped in to help us create this. So we went back to the drawing board and we're like, let's make sure these episodes are written and polished. So the whole of 2019 we spent writing, rewriting, and digging deeper with the writing. And um, and then this year was supposed to be supposed to be the year of production. And and uh, aside from that, I was hired to direct a full-length play um, with the training I got for theater directing at Chicanas Cholas Achievement. Hey, um, I got hired to direct um, Feliz, and it's written by Michael J. Mejia. And it's also one of these magical realism futuristic pieces. The moment it got to me, they I stayed up the entire night reading it twice, and then I sent an email, and I just blurted out everything I saw. I see this, I see this, I see that. Hopefully we can work together. And then... Um, it was God sent and Michael and I jived. We, we really did enjoy each other's company. And also I, he was connected with what I was seeing and I was really vibing with him. So I was doing that as well. And let me see, those are the top two, I think aside from this and my sci-fi project. That's awesome. So I understand you have something to share with us today. This is called We Were Animals. And um, it was one of the first pieces I wrote while I was at uh, UC Berkeley as a creative writing minor. And it was through a human journal um, a publication that was started up by my friend Lila Downs, who I believe she's changed her name now, and I forget Lila Carpenter, I'm sorry. Um, she got married. But it's called We Were Animals, and it was, it just came to me as well, a point of view of a little girl who was me. I changed the name of the characters just to protect my mother who when I wrote this was still undocumented at the time. And also this was before uh, my training with undoing racism. So I was all, I was still holding on to a lot of um, fallac uh, fallacies about my identity. So in the writing there is the word illegal immigrant and that's just because that's how I was raised to see myself but I hadn't done the training on changing my language. So that's in the writing and I'm gonna honor it just because that's how it was written. But I know that um, we are undocumented. Arresting spot. If my mother was afraid, she didn't show it. She made everything a game for me and my little sister, Lily. 
We were now in Central America, miles away from Peru. It was a full day of walking. We were tired. That's when we met Eduardo, a man supposedly of Christian faith. He let us sleep in his home for a night. Eduardo held a taxi and told my mother he'd return for her friend Carmen afterwards. Eduardo instructed the taxi driver to take us to his home, but he didn't give an address. It's a few miles up, was all he said. My mother sat with her back to the driver. Eduardo sat across her and put Lily on his lap and spoke to her in a baby voice. Cumbia played on the radio. The driver leaned into my mother's ear and whispered so that Eduardo couldn't hear. Do you know where you're going? She whispered back, no. Eduardo was singing for Lily, but she was too tired to smile. I sat next to my mother, near the window, drawing on the glass with my breath. It was all jungle mosquito land everywhere. The taxi driver told her that we were headed into a region where children are abducted and killed for their organs. A farm market for the black market, he whispered. The taxi man told her what to do. My mother held on to me, and she asked my sister if she wanted to sit on her lap. Te ves cansadita, mi amor. You look sleepy, she said. Lily leapt off of Eduardo and into my mother's arms. Eduardo told the taxi driver where to stop. There was nothing there. My house is up this dirt path, he announced. My mother smiled and nodded. You first, she said and waited for him. He slid the van door open, jumped off, and he extended his arms for Lily. Give her to me. My mother held us tight and braced herself as the taxi driver sped up and swerved around. The tires screeched and burned as a plane chased with the wind. We didn't fall out. He drove us back into town. My mom put us aside and slid the door closed. The taxi driver yelled, you must really be careful in this city. Carmen was sitting on a bench. The taxi driver offered his home. Both my mom and Carmen agreed it was the best choice. He took us up another road and there were houses everywhere. My mother breathed in and said, thank you. But she wasn't talking to anyone in the van. He threw our passports out the window. The taxi man yelled, Gorillas! And I looked over expecting to see big monkeys jump out from the bushes. Instead, I saw men wearing black masks. They were holding big guns and blocking the road. The taxi man told my mother to give him all of our passports. She obeyed without, without question. He threw our passports out the window before we reached the gorillas. Lily was sleeping in my mother's arms. I was sitting next to Carmen. The gorillas yelled and the taxi driver put his hands up. They opened the van in a matter of seconds. One big gorilla spit as he yelled. I didn't know why they were mad. They were just sitting there doing nothing. Another gorilla looked through my mother's bags. He was looking for something, but he only found makeup. He laughed at the others and waved his gun around my mother's beautiful face. She didn't blink. She held her breath. She waited. My sister woke up, turned around and looked at the gorilla. Why are you screaming? Lily was fussy. Her sandals and little feet were brown with dirt and rain. My mother patted her back. Lily burrowed her head into my mother's neck. The gorilla threw her back into the bushes. Two more gorillas came in and looked through the van. They poked with guns and Carmen held me close as if I belonged to her. She was beautiful too, and she was also afraid. They slammed the door shut 
disappointed that they didn't find what they were looking for. They tapped the van and the taxi lowered his hands and drove on. We rested just for one night. Arrival. After weeks of obstacle, sacrifices, and finding people willing to help us along the way, we finally reached Mexico. The three of us were inside a large tire, floating on a river, being pulled by a coyote on the other end. My mom sang to us so that the black water wouldn't scare us. I watched the coyote closely. I had waited the whole day to meet him, but he didn't look like a coyote at all, and he didn't howl. He was a coyote who pulled rope. Carmen was last. We got into another van. Inside it were all the people who had crossed, wet, exhausted, and dirty. My sister and I looked like little monkeys. We were dirt from head to toe, and we were small, just three and five. My mother leaned on Carmen for support and smiled at me. Her smile told me that we were almost there. We were going to see Dad. I got happy. Lily and I started playing, but the coyote told us to be quiet. My mom said we should play the quiet game. The winner would get chocolate. The van was dark for a long time. I thought I was gonna, I thought, the van was dark for a long time. I thought I was going to go blind. So my mother told me to close my eyes. I closed my eyes and pretended I was dreaming, but the noises wouldn't let me sleep. There were a lot of people in the van with us. One man breathed like a bull. After some time, all the people in the van began to breathe the same, in and out. It felt like we were one huge animal trapped within the darkness waiting to run out into the wilderness. We waited like a deep secret, wanting to be let go. The door swung open to reveal my father. Tall buildings painted the sky behind him. You could tell by his face that he thought we wouldn't be there, but we were. Lily and I jumped up and hung on him like monkeys on the tree. We laughed and he cried a stream onto our dirty dresses. My mother and Garmin came out rubbing their eyes. For the first time in the entire trip, my mother cried. She embraced us and we were together again. Now, I'm a proud American citizen. I love this country. It has provided opportunities beyond anything my family could ever imagine. However, that does not mean I will denounce or forget my roots. I was born in Peru. I was once an illegal immigrant. When I hear negative comments towards immigrants, it hurts as if I came here to steal something from someone. That's not why my parents came to this country. They came so that I could be better. They worked hard so that my sister and I could have the opportunities that many women in our country don't have. Our country is doing much better than it has. Our country is doing much better than it was in the 80s, but it still doesn't compare to the United States. In order to assist with the overwhelming problems people face in Peru, I have to start here. This is what I know. I strive for change. Men and women put their lives in danger for a dream, for a promise. Some make it, some don't. There has to be a better way. We were animals on this trip. Lily and I were little monkeys. We met gorillas, coyotes, and a bull. We met men who were good and some who were not so good. Who could we tell? Nobody. You can't tell anybody. You have to pretend like it never happened. At our first American school, others looked at us like we were animals. We are not animals. I do not appreciate people looking at other human beings as if they are animals. We are people. We want a better life, just like you. We were animals in your eyes. 
And in our eyes, we thought, we are beneath this. We thought, just like you, maybe, that we deserved less. But now I know. We are people. You should know, too. We are human beings. tears in my eyes that was beautiful thank you rosa for sharing sharing your beautiful beautiful story that was just gorgeous it was amazing everyone needs to hear it and i'm so glad you shared it with our podcast because we're gonna be sharing it everywhere it was a beautiful rough raw very honest story and this for me like it was just the epitome of why it's so important that we write our own stories absolutely absolutely um you know, I come from a family of animals, of coyotes. I always talk about that because, you know, it's, it's, it was in my family. I was young. I didn't know too much about it. And I learned the history later on through my grandmother and through my mother and through other family members and putting the pieces together. And for me, you know, first generation. So my, my parents came as well. And it's, it's just amazing the stories you hear once we're allowed to tell them or once we allow ourselves to tell them. So thank you so much, ladies. Thank you, Lorena. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you guys for being here so much. I Just a quick question for you guys. So what's next? And I'm like, so excited to start writing for next year because I I need all the time I can get. And this downtime is really going to help. And also just keep writing on my blog. Keep sharing my blog. You can find me at www.burntowrite.com. I'd love to see you there. Thank you, Lorena. And for you, Rosa, what's up? What's up? What's happening next? Um, So sci-fi is my main focus and the sci-fi project. And then when things uh, open up again, hopefully I get back on the directing gears for Feliz. Um, Also, We Were Animals, I I shared this story, not necessarily the short story, but my journey in general with other spaces. And they have told me that I should need to make it into a film. Definitely. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that earlier. I've forgotten. Um, but my sci-fi is connected. Most of my stories are connected to the immigrant experience. So in, in many ways, I still honor We Were Animals in most of my projects. Like we say every at the end of every show. Hasta, hasta luego, gente. Se cuidan. For real. For real. Uh, thank you, Lorena, for being here today. Thank you, Rosa, for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Yes, we love you. Keep writing, keep submitting, keep directing, and all the wonderful things that you do. 